from 99.9 The Fan. This is The Drive with Tim Donnelly. Sponsored by Coach Pete at Capital Financial Advisory Group. Visit us at CapitalFinancialUSA.com. The starting five. We do it every day right here on The Drive with Tim Donnelly. On 99.9 The Fan, starting off our 5 o'clock hour, we use the starting five, starting with number five. I got five on it. Naheem Hines suffered a season-ending injury, expected to be season-ending, will require surgery. Uh, freak injury that we talked about earlier today it gets kind of more heartbreaking the more you think about it. Uh, the injury happened, according to reporting done by the NFL Network's Tom Pelissero and thus uh, and subsequently confirmed by uh, ESPN and a few others. Um, he was sitting stationary on a jet ski and was struck by another rider the injury will require surgery, and he will miss the entirety of the 2023 season. From a Naheem Hines perspective, this was going to be a season in which he had the opportunity to make real contributions to a Super Bowl contender. Right? He was, uh, you know, spent majority of his career thus far with the Colts, who have been in various states of rebuild for at least a couple of seasons now. Right, they they had the uh, Carson Wentz year. They had the Matt Ryan year. They've they've had some years that haven't been great, and, and he's he's been a part of that. And then he gets traded at the deadline last year to the Buffalo Bills, and can't really work himself into the offense much. Although he makes his mark as a kick returner, and I say can't work himself into the offense much. I think he only played some like fifteen snaps or had fifteen touches. So a very very limited role. Uh, and the reason why I say he couldn't work himself in is because football is not like baseball, right? Baseball can make a trade at the deadline, and if you're the right fielder, you're in, right? Because, you know, you walk up there to the plate and you walk out there to right field, and there's not plays to memorize. There's not chemistry really to build up with anybody. You're just out there doing your thing. In in football, they can't put you on the field until you are 100% confident in, in their ability to know the offense, know the role, Right, know how that fits in with everybody else. If you're a, a running back, pass protection, you have to know everything that the offensive line is thinking. Because if if you know there are six blitzing, five offensive linemen take five guys, and you have to take the sixth, and you think the sixth is coming from the left, and the sixth that they're leaving unblocked is actually coming from the right, and I'm making this as simple as we possibly can make it. Uh, the quarterback gets his head taken off. Or in Josh Allen's case, maybe the quarterback runs over the unblocked defender. But still, it's contact on the quarterback that you're hoping doesn't take place. We've actually seen Josh Allen get a little banged up the past few seasons. A little injury here or there. Not the biggest injuries, but they've affected things. So if you're Naheem Hines, they can't put you out there until they're confident you know the playbook. That couldn't happen in season as, you know, the... The, every single week, the treadmill to the next game, the conveyor belt to the next game is rolling. But in an offseason, you can learn those types of things. When you have a training camp, he was expected to have a bigger role on a contender, a Super Bowl contender, in addition to being their kick returner. And then a freak injury that, like, you can't even expect to, to plan to prevent. Happens, the season is lost for Naheem. This goes back to, uh, again, uh, you can know my history a bit today. Grew up in, in Hawaii for a decent part of my, my childhood. Previously, I was in Jersey. Uh, and 
for the, until I turned, I think it was 11, I had like a Sandlot neighborhood, meaning we had at different points in time, depending who was getting too old and too cool to play with us and, and, and who was too young to contribute to like a basketball game. Uh, we had probably between 10 and 20 kids within a couple years of each other outside playing every day, right? Like Sandlot style. The, it was like a Norman Rockwell painting. It's exactly what you were, you were hoping your kids would have. So we'd go outside, we'd make up games, we'd play uh, pickup games, we'd, we'd do whatever we possibly could. And one thing I learned is I don't even like what's uh, Murphy's law is anything that can go wrong will go wrong. We need to create, maybe we'll call it like uh, the drives law. We need to create a law for this. If there's a group of people playing a sport, if one of them, and this used to happen all the time in, in, in our little Sandlot neighborhood, if one of them steps forward before you're playing a game and says, for these reasons, I'm the one that can't get hurt. They are a hundred percent going to get hurt, right? If one of them steps forward and says, "I'm wearing nice clothes because my mom is taking me to a event tonight, so I can't get a hole in these pants," but she let me come outside for a half hour, so I want to play with you guys. I can guarantee you, only one one of those kids is going to scrape their knee and get a hole in the pants, and it's the one who said I can't. And similarly, now that you're adults, if there's like a pro athlete and you're getting on the jet skis and he goes, listen, everybody, I'm going to take it slow. So if y'all are going fast, don't wait for me. I'm going to be casual with it because I don't want to get hurt this close to training camp. That person is going to get hurt. Even if they're just sitting stationary, they're going to get hit by another rider. It's, it's like Murphy's Law, but specifically towards not being hurt. Right. If if one 12 year old in a group of 30 is like, guys, I'm a, I have my piano concert tomorrow. I can't hurt my fingers. Guess what's going to happen? Is he's not going to turn an ankle. He's not going to going to, you know, uh, fall on his back. He is going to break like a ring finger and it's going to be the only time in his life he breaks a ring finger because that's just what happens. And I feel bad for Naheem Himes for that reason. It reminds me of why you say knock on wood exactly. after you yes. say something you don't want to happen. But all seriousness, this is a very tragic situation for Naheem Himes who's expected to provide mm-hmm. a more, I'd say, important role in the Bills offense. And after everything you saw him accomplish at NC State, we talked about earlier when he was a true freshman 100-yard kickoff return against the third-ranked Clemson mm-hmm. Tigers in the 2015 season. The rest is history. He's had countless memories and countless moments during his time both at NC State but also for the Bills. Mm-hmm. We also played the highlight of him with the opening kickoff return following the DeMar Hamlin accident in the Bills' first home game. So it's just unfortunate to see somebody like something like that happen, especially to a guy that has roots here in North Carolina being a Garner, Garner native. And, and again, we, t- we talked about this or we said this. The more you think about it, the more heartbreaking it gets uh, along those lines. It's 27 years old this year. 27 tends to be the year where teams start getting very, very uncomfortable paying running backs. So even if the injury has no long-lasting serious effects and he comes back in 2024 ready to play, there's less likely to be a, a bag of cash waiting for him simply by, by way of age, let alone age and coming off an injury. It's a very tough situation for Naheem. Hopefully a full recovery and, and, and all of that, obviously. That's what we're pulling for. Uh, starting five continues. Let's get to number four. We are the four horsemen. Woo! The Open Championship came to a close over the weekend. Brian Harmon, your champion golfer, 
for 2023. Golf World. We talked about this with Akshay Batia or Batia. They, uh, I don't know why I'm having such a hard time saying his name. Uh, the golf world makes very sweeping decisions very quickly, and then they just stick to it. For some reason, the golf world did not want Brian Harmon to win. They very, very, very obviously wanted Rory McIlroy or Tommy Fleetwood. That's just what they wanted. And part of that's nationality, right? It was being played in England. Rory, Irish, Fleetwood, English. Uh, but but if you listen to some of the reports, and Brian Harmon would tell you, he had some very, like, like the heckling that you'd expect from, from like, you know, Philadelphia Eagles fans towards uh, uh, like a Washington commander that has been called for four personal fouls this game. Yeah. Like that level of heckling towards Brian Harmon just for being in the lead of the Open Championship in England. Like the gall of a golfer to want to win a major championship and play well. There's also probably some resentment there after you said he started playing pro-level golf at the age of seven. Oh, sorry, sorry. No, this is Brian Harmon we're talking about, not right. not Akshay Batia. Sorry, I'm going to jump a little bit ahead in, yep, the, uh, yep. uh, in the starting five. Yep, the B- Batia is, is one of those guys who, yes, had a lot handed to him, and there's uh, a little bit of resentment. But Brian Harmon, right? Brian Harmon is the opposite. He's a journeyman who just won his first major after years of toiling away and being a solid player on the PGA Tour, but nobody wanted him to win. And, and or not nobody, obviously, friends, family, and his, his fans. But on the course, apparently, it was very obvious nobody wanted him to win. But here's the irony. This is, this is how I, I love elite athletes' mentalities. It actually helped him lock in. He told everybody afterwards that he made a second bogey on Saturday which was really the only speed wobbles he had, right? The only uh, indications over the week that his his pace might might falter. And, and so he had a second bogey. He's walking past a guy, right? And the guy's one of the hecklers. And uh, the guy says, Harmon, you don't have the stones for this. Ooh. And wow. now that is brutal, right? But it's obviously not bad language and all the, like, I'm sure he heard worse things throughout the week, more personal things throughout the week. But but he said hearing that kind of snapped him back into it. He said it helped. He, he said it got him to say, no, I'm good enough to do this. I'm going to do this. Like he needed somebody to say something that specific that he could disagree with. So then it would bring him back into locked in and uh, – like unbeknownst to him, that one heckler, that one guy that said, you don't have the stones to do this, gave him the stones to do it, right? It like gave him the intestinal fortitude to fight back and uh, got him back in the process and and maybe contributed to him winning the whole darn thing. I mean, that lead he acquired was huge. I remember turning on the Open Championship yep. early, port, early parts of the morning. My roommate and I looked at each other like, this tournament's over. And, and got it in the bag. All he had to do was not collapse. And the only sign that he might was that day when that guy said that thing, and then it was done. Also, I don't care about the waggles. I don't know if everybody's seen this. When he's addressing the 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 ball, right? Uh-huh. He waves the club a bunch. They call it a waggle. He does a little like shaking loose thing. Yeah, like ten or fifteen times before he swings. And uh, the the broadcast started giving him the business. Started counting the waggles started tallying up how many waggles he's done over the whole tournament and got into the thousands. Oh, no. And there was quite a few memes. People were making fun of him. Here's the thing. 
This is the first time in his career I don't care about the Waggles. Because if you're in 39th or if you're in 5th of the the John Deere Classic, fast golf. Come on, man. We're yeah. here we're here to play. Like let's get it moving. But if you're in like a five-stroke lead at a major, take all the time you need. I know that I know the the nerves are getting to you. Take all the waggles you need. It was the only time I didn't care about it and it seemed to be the only time everybody else did care about it, so I was alone. Uh, but congrats to Brian Harmon and American brings the the claret jug, the the open championship back to the states, which is always fun. Number 3. One, two, three. ECU, East Carolina head football coach, Mike Houston, reported, and he didn't tell us which team. I wish he did, just because I'm here for the the, the drama, the chaos of it all. He said it wasn't in the region, which he said this at an event with, like, Mac Brown and Mike Elko. So he said not in the region to let them off the hook. Uh, ECU reported another team for contacting their players who were not in the transfer portal. That is fascinating on a lot of levels. A, because I, I think it's a it's a rule that the NCAA has to enforce or else it's going to really be chaotic, right? Teams are just going to be contacting players all over the place. A player like, uh, like say, Drake May at North Carolina is going to have to publicly, like, like, you know, recruits when they say, Here's my top three. I'm no longer entertaining any other teams. Thank you for your your interest. Every player is going to have to do that every year. Because if you're Drake May and, and teams aren't enforcing tampering rules, meaning the NCAA isn't saying if you contact a player who is not in the transfer portal, there will be punishment if they're not doing that, then what's to stop Alabama and Notre Dame and USC and, uh, and, 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 and from reaching out to every good player every year. If you have a breakout season at any school, you're just going to have a long list of pl- of coaches in your DMs saying, please come here. Here's the RNIL offer. And to also agree with Coach Houston, I'm allowed to say this since I'm from this area, 252 area, Greenville being 30 minutes away from my hometown. For example, think about with Miami and mm-hmm. some of these other big-name programs in college football nowadays. That's another selling point. Hey, come play football in Miami, <laughs> South Beach. We'll so you're allowed, you you're allowed to say, like, this isn't a, a vacation destination because I'm you grew allowed up to in say it? that Greenville is not a vacation destination. The only reason I say that is because Coach Houston is starting to find his, his footing yep. as head coach of the ECU program. So the fact that, yeah, they just came off a great win. This They just came off a great season, mm-hmm. a bowl win for the first time, and – I, golly, I want to say like what 2004. It's been a while, you know. He has to he has to fight for what he's got, yep. and I'm sure it does rub him the wrong way when other oh, programs very much so. reach out to players that are not actively in the transfer portal in his program. And a credit to Houston and that program he's building is he found out about it. Yeah, because if I'm a, if I'm a player and I don't love my coach, I mean it has to be like if I don't tremendously respect my coach and and what he's building. If a, a team, even if I'm not interested in leaving, if a, another team reaches out to me and says, hey, I want you to transfer, even if I don't want to leave ECU, if I don't love my coach, guess what I'm doing? Hey, other team, appreciate the interest. Uh, you know, I, I considered it, but me and my family are, are comfortable where we are, so I'm just going to I'm gonna stick it out with ECU. Uh, but, but, you know, thanks for reaching out. But if I love my coach and respect what he's building to the utmost degree, hey, coach, 
This guy reached out to me. I don't know what you want to do about it. I'm just passing along information. 2015, last last ECU football bowl appearance. The fact that Mike Houston even found out about this says something about the program he's running. And and by the way, he found out a a couple times because he said he heard about it. He reached out to the other the other team and said, "Hey, just so you know, this is happening. Let's nip it in the bud." And it kept happening, and that according to Houston, and that's when he reported it to the NCAA. So he, I mean, that's a that's a feather in his cap that that his players, you know, he found out. That's yeah. what I'm going to say. It's a feather in his cap that he found out. And now I can redeem myself for saying that Greenville, North Carolina, is not a vacation destination by saying the fact that those players reported to him shows how much they care about East Carolina mm-hmm. to make it up even more to ECU fans. They bleed purple and gold with Mike Houston's program. Exactly. I mean, it's 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 impressive. Let's get to number two. Just the two of us. The NBA Board of Governors has approved it. Signed, sealed, delivered. The Hornets sold. Michael Jordan, no longer the majority owner of the, the Charlotte Hornets. And we talked about this earlier. Um, you are allowed to have more than one conversation about Michael Jordan. Uh, you are allowed to believe that he is the greatest basketball player to ever walk planet Earth. You are allowed to believe that he was one of the greatest competitors from an athletic standpoint to ever walk planet Earth. And also say, didn't do a good job as the owner of the, the Charlotte Hornets. 13 years, no playoff uh, series wins. Uh, fifth worst winning percentage in the league. You are allowed to say that's not a great job without having to defend uh, you know, the the like the honor and sanctity of Michael Jordan the GOAT. It's it's sports fans. We're really, you know, we're an interesting bunch, sports fans. <laughs> I'm trying to think of the a nice way to say it, but I'm a part of it. I'm I mean, you don't you don't go into this business that I went into without being a massive sports fan. Uh so similar to how you can talk about your hometown because because of you grew up there. I can talk about sports fans because I am one. Yeah. Not always the most logical bunch in the world, right? Uh, Michael Jordan is the best basketball player, but there's this this group that loves to say LeBron is better, and because of that, you feel like you're always defending Michael Jordan, and I think you just, it's like a reaction. You said something about him? You're wrong, right? It's like if somebody came out and said Michael Jordan didn't have a great singing voice, just on inf- instinct, you'd be like, he's a great singer. Yeah, He's got a, he's got a five-octave range. He's fantastic. And you'd be like, no, we're, you're, relax. I didn't say anything about his basketball ability. He's not a great NBA owner. Stop that. He's a great he's a great NBA owner. The things he did for Charlotte were unbelievable. And I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. I didn't say anything about his basketball ability. I talked about being an owner. It wasn't great. I don't think that's I don't think that's disrespectful to say. You 13 years didn't win a playoff series. I think if anybody, like the ultimate winner, would recognize not a great job. Maybe that's why he's getting out. Maybe it's the two billion dollars in profits he's gonna clear, but Maybe it's not. Maybe that's the reason he's getting out. Yeah, maybe he just feels that there's more to the Charlotte Hornets organization that he has to offer. And a lot of people keep forgetting he's still going to be a minority or my part owner, minority owner. But he's also passed it off to this agency group that mm-hmm. has talent agencies of local North Carolina natives, such as J. Cole and Eric Church. Guys, and especially for a guy like J. Cole, who has played international basketball, kind of helped Caleb Martin get to where he is now. Maybe there's a little bit of pride in that. Maybe Jay Cole is going to, you know, I, I said it before, maybe Dennis Smith Jr. might be coming back to the Hornets. You know, he's just going to run a North Carolina 
native lineup for the Hornets just to bring a little bit of pride back into the franchise and the organization. My counter to that would be this. Uh, the best way to bring pride back to the Hornets is to win. If you think the best players are from Carolina, make it happen. If you don't, go get the best players. Uh, you know, I. it's not like, let me think of the, the best. Ex- Cam Newton's from Georgia. Yeah. Right? Uh, I don't think Luke Keekley grew up in, in Carolina, but right, the, the Carolina had a lot of pride in those guys. Like, go find the best players you possibly can. Also, J. Cole, I just looked it up, net worth $60 million, So he's going to need to do some – if he wants to own a bigger stake than than just a celebrity part stake, he's going to have to make some money. Uh, and finally, number one of the starting five. The one! By the way, our starting five is brought to you by Window Nation. So they're number one. But also number one is college game day. Going to UNC South Carolina week one. That's like the probably the, the premier of the college game days, right? If college game day... It goes to the premier game, the premier atmosphere every week. Then week one is probably the premier of the college game days. You could argue this is going to be one of the best, if not the best atmosphere of the year when it comes to college game day. I know that's a little bit of a, you know, maybe convoluted logic, but I'm sticking to it. The reason this is such a big deal is because uh, so much of the college football season is about narrative. Okay. If you want to make the college football playoff, guess what? You're going to need to convince humans. It's no longer computers anymore. And and humans are inherently uh, uh, gullible, I guess. Gullible is not the right word. But, but nobody is 100% completely and totally objective, right? Everybody is, is – you can convince them of things. Yeah. Stories are a big part of that. Storytelling is a big part of that. If you want to make the uh, – college football playoff you're going to need a committee to pick you you're going to need them to know who you are you're going to need to have uh, a great first impression if north carolina goes out and smacks the ever-loving heck out of south carolina and on this premier stage guess what's going to happen if north carolina is a one-loss team and there's seven one-loss teams that are fighting for two playoff spots every person in the committee is going to go I watched them, and they were pretty good. Even if every other game this year they're fighting for every win and they're not winning by much and there's there's ugly wins and there's all those sorts of things, they're, the one they watched where everybody was there and college game day was there, they smacked the heck out of South Carolina, that story is going to be in their brain. Same thing is true for Heisman Trophy. If Drake May has a bananas game, even if he has a couple clunkers later on, if you have your, your big games, in games where college game day is there and you're playing South Carolina in Charlotte on national television and your clunkers are when you're playing at noon uh, in when there's 1,700 other games on, so a lot of the voters aren't even watching, that's how you win the Heisman. College game day is going to Charlotte for North Carolina, South Carolina. Use it. And then also do something special so, you know, donors and boosters and everything want to give you a whole bunch of money because college football is becoming a bit of a money game. Yeah. Who's got the most? TV deals matter. Also, <laughs> TV deals do matter. You snuck that one in there, but it is very, very true. 
Are you ready for the big game? At The Designery, we can help you arrange your kitchen in the perfect way to feed everyone coming over for the big game. I'm Dana Merrill, the owner of The Designery in North Raleigh. And I am True Merrill. The Designery grand opening, we're scheduled to open May 16th and do our grand opening party then. We're going to be catering some food. We're doing some giveaways. We have a VR headset, an Echo Show, some kitchen gadgets, and some fancy knives. 12 to 2 p.m. Please stop by our showroom, 3030 Wake Forest Road. That's The Designery at The designery.com we may have to hold off on the uh the chandler's vala conversation for a couple minutes uh just because there's a, a few bits of uh breaking news breaking ish news um one the nfl confirmed today that and yoma oh was and yoma Uwazarike, uh who is a uh defensive lineman for the denver broncos has been suspended in indefinitely for betting on NFL games in the 2022 season, Uwazirike will be eligible to petition for reinstatement no earlier than July 24 of next year. It's a long time. It's a tough break for him as, as, a, as a player. Here's what uh, here's what I need to know. I need to know what the infraction was. Before I make any hard and fast decisions about how foolish he was, before I make any hard and fast decisions about the NFL's punishments, I need to know what the the infraction was. Because we've heard so many varying degrees, right? From betting $1,000 on a, a prop bet in a game that you played in, which is reportedly what went on with Rodgers, the defensive back from the Colts, to making a bet on your phone on a different sport in your own locker room. Those are two wildly different or betting on football, but not a game you're involved in or betting on basketball or betting like there's there's so many different infractions. Uh, I think they kind of need to be categorized. And until we know, it's hard to, to react to, to any of it. And, and we'll see. But uh, and Yoma Owazarike from from Denver on the Broncos suspended for at least a year. Uh, the other bit of breaking ish news comes from our, our very own Adam Gold. OK. Uh, Adam Gold was not on the Adam Gold show today. Dennis Cox was filling in, but even on days off, Adam's still grinding. Uh, Adam Gold tweeted this out about a half hour ago. Uh, just came across my desk during the the uh, commercial. Adam says, it does appear that the Canes are closing in on signing Tony D'Angelo to a one-year deal worth about $1.66 million, which makes him whole after the Flyers bought him out. I have, I have one question. It's another addition to the defense. The Canes have been top two in the entire league each of the last two years in goals against, meaning they've allowed top two fewest goals against them. How much better can the defense get? It's a fair point. Like Nothing against Tony Angelo, but it's almost like, do we really need another it, defense? That, it seems like a very simple question to ask. They're now up to seven NHL defensemen. Uh, again, according to Adam, uh, that's, that's Slavin, Burns, Shea, Pesci, Orlov, Chatfield, and now D'Angelo. There has to be a move coming where they, they take something from the defense and cash it into a forward, cash it into a center, a, a, a winger. Give me something. Somebody that's going to put the puck in the back of the net. Last two years, they've been 15th and 9th in goals scored. They've been 2nd and 1st in goals allowed. And they continuously pour resources into the defense. Dmitry Orlov, nice addition. 
right? They like they have these these big additions. And now D'Angelo, assuming that it that it happens, uh, and once Adam Gold says it appears that it's going to happen, I tend to believe it. Those things help the defense. At some point, like you know, it's it's, and I know it's not quite this obvious, but I'm going to use this as an example. If you have an offense, or if you have a, an NBA team, we'll use NBA as the example, and you have eight centers that are all starting quality in the NFL and you don't have any starting quality point guards, at some point you have to trade some of the center value you've built up for point guard, right? And I'm kind of thinking that with the with, with the Canes right now. Your defense was great two years ago. Your defense was great last year. You've spent this offseason, I know you added bunting to, to the forwards, but largely just adding more defense, and, and I get it, right? Dmitry Orlov is a really, really good player. Why would you not want him? And... He can he can do some things to to help with the offense, and you bring in now, assuming it happens, Tony D'Angelo. Another de- like I get it; he's a good player, and because Philly bought him out, you're probably getting him on the cheap cheap. So so like you're pouncing on an opportunity, right? Can't pass up a sale. I get it, but to me, like I don't know if it's Pesci who's been in in, in the center of a lot of of rumors. Maybe it's it's someone else. At, at a certain point, you have to take some of this stockpiled value you have on the defense and go get some goals, right? Go go get somebody that can can boost the part of your game where there's more room for improvement. Right over the last two years, you could argue they're the best defense. Now, now you could argue, I guess, they're more best. Can you be more best? It's bad English grammar. I understand that, but but can you get the logic? Can you be more best? I guess you could put distance between you and yourself, but it's really really tough to to shave away even more goals allowed when when you're already giving up uh, like the 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 number. I, I want to say like two point two or something like that. Let me bring it up here just to make sure I'm I'm saying it right. This past year, the, the Canes gave up 2.4 goals per game. That's that's tough. They also scored, let me get this right, 3.2 goals per game. The leaders in goals per game were the Oilers with four. The leaders in goals allowed were the Bruins with 2.05. There's a lot more room to get better uh, on the, the scoring side of things. And I know that the, like they're never going to be I, – I probably shouldn't even have brought up the Oilers. They're never going to have the firepower that they have, right? Those two guys at the top, their their style of play up and down, like they're going to to just inherently based on system, not – meaning the Canes, inherently based on system, are not going to be a four-goal-per-game team. But, I mean, how good can the defense get? I, heck, maybe they'll give up like – a goal and a half a game next year, and they're going to win them all because they're putting together this all-star team of, of defensemen, and and that would be awesome. But but I, I just I it's a tough logic puzzle to get my head wrapped around. Tony D'Angelo again, if you're just tuning in, Adam Gold uh, of 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 us of ninety nine nine the fan, uh, tweet tweeted out earlier this afternoon. It does appear the Canes are closing in on signing Tony D'Angelo to a one year deal worth about one point six six million dollars which makes him whole after the Flyers bought him out. He's a really good player. I just think the shopping list probably would have started somewhere else for the uh, for the Canes. 
that is also just about going to do it for us here. We'll, maybe we'll get to Zavala uh, tomorrow. He's starting the the training camp on the physically unable to perform active list for the Panthers after being a draft pick out of uh, NC State. Uh, and and there's there's more layers to that story that hopefully we'll be able to get to tomorrow when we're live in Charlotte for ACC football kickoff days. Looking forward to that also.